pass this morning, or this afternoon almost, to speak about the rise of the internet church, and uh, this is a subject that I will be uh, tackling sensitively, and it is quite ironic, of course, to be speaking about the internet church and the online church. We have many people joining us online, of course, for this conference, and so I do not want to say anything that may offend them. But for the best part of uh, 2,000 years, the New Testament church or the local church in the New Testament age has always gathered physically, always gathered in one physical place. That has been the nature of the local church, of course, a physical gathering. But as you will all know, in recent years, particularly since the COVID pandemic, the church has begun to gather in a new way, in a virtual way, online. And uh, uh, we meet so often on platforms such as Zoom and YouTube and other platforms. And uh, while this new way of meeting has largely been welcomed by the Christian church and uh, seen as a great blessing and with much justification, of course, But because this way of meeting together is so unprecedented and so new, we ought to really assess, fully assess and evaluate the online church in the light of Scripture and ask ourselves some very important questions. Is the online church, for example, a move in the right direction for the church, spiritually speaking? Are there aspects of this medium that we need to be mindful of and possibly guard ourselves against? Does the Bible actually have anything to say on such matters? How do the scriptures side, whether we have virtual meetings or in-person gatherings? Does the scripture say anything specific about that or is it uh, neutral on this matter? We'll also be looking or touching upon Uh, the greater influence of the internet on the local church. How does it affect believers? Has uh, this online church affected the way that individual believers relate to the local church? Or has it affected their commitment or other such things? So we'll be looking at all these issues in due time, and uh, it is very important just to think about these things very briefly. But first, I want to begin with uh, the positive uh, impact of the internet on the church. And there is a good deal that uh, we could say about the positive impact. Uh, These things are not insignificant. Perhaps the most obvious advantage that the internet has given us is that it has tremendously increased the gospel opportunity that the church has. So many more people can hear the gospel. What a platform we have to share this glorious message that has been entrusted to the church. Now, this was probably most evident during the pandemic of 2020 and 2021, when, uh, according to a survey conducted by Tear Fund, a quarter of adults in the UK had either watched or listened to a religious service in the first six weeks of the lockdown. And one in five of those had never previously 
gone to church and would never have gone to church physically, but they heard the word of God online and millions would have heard the gospel message. And of course, not just in this country, as I've already mentioned, people from all around the world would have been reached and continue to be reached through the internet ministry. There's no limit to our ministries. You may be a small church with a small building, but it's amazing that you can reach hundreds, even thousands of people every Lord's Day through the preaching of the word from your pulpit. And that can be used of the Lord to turn people to Christ in so many different continents. So this has to be acknowledged. The online church, it is a glorious door of opportunity that has been opened up for us. Now, not only do more people hear the gospel, but a significant people, number of people, are made uh, aware of their local church through their online presence. They're made aware of the local church. We at uh, East Dulwich Tabernacle, uh, we have certainly received a significant number of visitors who have come to the church physically because uh, they saw us virtually, they saw us online. Indeed, visitors of this kind, in my opinion anyway, or in my experience, they are more likely not just to visit, but to remain and settle with the church. Why is that? Well, because uh, they already know quite a lot about the church. They have been watching us online for some weeks, and they know how we worship, and they know how we do the order of service, and uh, they have been blessed by these things. They're already blessed, and so when they actually come to visit the church physically, it's already with a view to settling. They're not just going to come and then not come again. They're more inclined to uh, settle with a church because they've seen us online for a number of weeks. And so uh, I have heard this from other churches also. It is clear that uh, the intake of visitors has in many places increased because of a church's online presence. But we must also acknowledge, of course, how much of a blessing the online church and uh, uh, the live streaming of services has been to those who uh, are not able to come into church, those who uh, uh, suffer from ill health or mobility issues or similar issues that make it impossible for them to uh, attend in purpose. For all these types of people, the online church has been a great blessing, an answer to prayer, perhaps for many, that they can uh, join the ministry of their local church, they can join in the worship, even though they are not able to be there in person, though they would so dearly love to be. Well, this has most certainly been a great blessing and an answer to prayer for so many. So all of these things, and I could go on, I could mention other things, but when we consider how uh, we have this uh, glorious gospel opportunity, when we consider how the local church, many local churches, have uh, had more uh, publicity, as it were, online, and when we think of those who have greater accessibility to their local church, well, uh, we may be tempted to think, therefore, that the internet can only be a force for good for the church. But before we reach that conclusion, I just want to present you with some further thoughts for consideration. 
Now, uh, uh, before I consider the online church in terms of uh, virtual services and streaming and meetings, I just want to briefly say something about uh, how the internet generally, generally speaking, has uh, uh, affected believers and uh, the believers' relationship with the local church and how they relate to the church and how they relate to church eldership and so on. And the first thing I want to mention, and this is something to uh, guard against, is that the internet, the influence of the internet has contributed to what is known as church hopping. Church hopping. Now, uh, uh, the internet, of course, offers such a, a great uh, variety of different ministers and different ministries, so many. The uh, variety is uh, huge. And uh, I think the modern-day Christian has got accustomed to skipping from one ministry to another. You may watch uh, one church and follow their ministry for a few weeks, even months, but then when you get bored, you can just uh, find something else. The, uh, the, the options are endless, limited, unlimited preachers, unlimited churches, unlimited sermons. Uh, this is something that the modern Christian has got so used to. But it does seem to be the way, or it can be the way, that this can be carried in to the physical church. So uh, people will indeed visit churches and they will uh, remain there for a little while, but then eventually they will get bored. They will uh, think to themselves, well, I don't want to stay here all the time. It is quite rare nowadays that you find people, find believers, who realize that the Lord calls us, calls us to a certain church, and that it is the Lord's will, unless he leads us elsewhere, to commit ourselves to that one church. For the rest of our days, if it be, the Lord calls us to a church so that we may join ourselves to that church as a body of believers. Commitment to that church is quite rare that you meet people who think like that nowadays. Nowadays, people come to a church, but they already seem to have a view of moving on. I'll be here maybe just one year, two years, and then I'll go on. And that's not, a, that's not a scriptural pattern. That's an internet pattern. That's an internet habit. Just stay with one church a little bit, and then you go on to another. What can I learn from this one? And maybe this one will give me something. That's, uh, we've borrowed that from the internet. And uh, sadly, it is a trend that is more common now, and it is certainly uh, something that the internet has contributed to church hopping. And so we affirm that the Lord, well, he has provided local churches for us. He calls us to local churches to truly make a commitment and to honor the Lord and to uh, seek his will for us in the church in which he has led us to. So uh, this is something that we are to guard ourselves against and to be mindful of. Secondly, the internet or the influence of the internet can drain a believer's confidence in the church. Drain a believer's confidence in the local church. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, again, the internet has given us uh, a great platform for people to hear uh, 
uh, preaching and sound preaching and teaching, but uh, sadly also it is a platform for unsound teaching. And there appear to be a large number of uh, self-appointed preachers online or self-appointed bloggers or theologians online, and they appear very sincere, very knowledgeable, but they don't appear to be under the authority of any local church. They are free agents, in fact, and uh, at times they can seem very antagonistic to the local church. I've lost count of the amount of times I've seen a videos on YouTube with titles such as this, 10 things your pastor will never tell you, or 10 things that you'll never learn at church, as if to uh, imply that your local church is deficient in some way, or your local church is hiding something from you. You'll never learn this at your local church. Your pastor will never tell you this. You have to stick to the blogs. You have to stick to the internet. If you want the, the special knowledge, this is something, I'm telling you something, your pastor will never tell you. And I've seen people, their love for the local church is drained away. Their confidence in the local church and in the eldership of their church is drained away. They get so influenced by the people on the internet. This person on the internet, well, he's so much better than my pastor, and he tells me my pastor is wrong. So their, their love, their affection for the local church slowly is drained away. And uh, in some cases, they end up leaving the church. You can't reason with them. You can't counsel them. They're uh, so influenced by what they've heard on the internet. And this is something we have to be mindful of. Yes, we uh, acknowledge the uh, influence for good on the internet, but there are things uh, that uh, can be harmful, and these things uh, uh, we must uh, be aware of. Also, well, thirdly in my uh, list of those things that we are to be mindful of, the, influ the influence of the internet challenges the primacy of preaching. It challenges the primacy of preaching. Now again, don't get me wrong, there are some uh, fine sermons online and uh, some fine preachers to be found on the internet. But uh, of course, the most popular Christian videos will not be the sermons, they won't be the messages, they will be the podcasts and the discussions and the debates. Those are the ones that get the most views, generally speaking, and a lot of people, particularly the youngsters, those believers in their late teens and twenties, they watch nothing but debates and discussions. So to come to a local church and to hear a sermon suddenly becomes very unattractive. This is boring to sit uh, and listen to a preacher go on for uh, 25, 30 minutes just expounding from the Bible. People don't want that increasingly. Give us a debate. Give us a discussion. This is what I'm used to as a Christian. This is what I've seen on the internet. I want this. And so churches can be tempted. They can be influenced to, uh, well, just sideline the preaching or limit the preaching because the youngsters, they're used to the internet and the bloggers. Let's get more discussions. Let's sit and have some groups in the church 
or let's have a debate, constant debates. And this is not healthy. We affirm, of course, and I'm sure many of you will agree with me on this, the primacy of preaching, that which God has ordained for the propagation of the gospel, for the edifying of the church, the preaching of the word of God. But the internet and the increasing influence of the internet, it's, uh, it's making it unattractive to so many people. Preaching is becoming less popular. And that at least has something to do with the rise of the internet and the internet church. So these things I just set before you, not to be overly critical, but just to make you aware of uh, these things and how the internet is influencing us as believers and as Christians, and especially the young, the younger generation coming into the church who are the future of the church, well, uh, soon we may see things heading in this direction. But let us uh, uh, just shift focus a little uh, to the matter of the online church, and uh, I'm going to deal now more specifically with online uh, live streaming of services. Well, as I've mentioned uh, before, uh, these uh, online services uh, have been a great blessing to uh, so many, those who are sick, those who are unwell. But uh, it is, uh, uh, it can be quite concerning that uh, a number of believers who are not sick and who are perfectly well now seem to uh, tend to prefer meeting online or watching online. In a survey that was conducted over in the U.S., by uh, an organization known as Grey Matter Research. This was uh, conducted toward the end of 2021. It was revealed that only 44% of evangelical Protestants who participated in online church during the pandemic, they said that they would want to return exclusively to in-person worship. Only 44% would return to in-person worship worship without a doubt. So half of believers in the US, well, uh, they've had their minds changed. They've had their preferences changed. They wouldn't return to in-person worship, at least not exclusively. And only 18% of evangelicals believed that attending church in person was superior in every way to viewing a service Online, Many people believe that uh, meeting online is just as good as meeting in person. And now, although this uh, uh, survey was carried out in the U.S., I'm uh, pretty sure that in this country uh, it is uh, the same. A preference seems to have arisen for online meetings, not out of necessity, not out of uh, emergency, and there are some who would imagine that in the future it would be better to meet online. Some people perhaps would uh, suggest that uh, this is how the church should go. Why do we need to meet in an old church building? We can just meet online and everything will be exactly the same. Are they right? And is that even a good attitude to have? Well, I would disagree. Now, one of the most common arguments 
for the online church is, of course, that it is convenient. It is convenient. I am very busy, or I struggle to get up on time on the Lord's Day, or I live very far away, or it's not convenient. I have to take uh, uh, two buses and so on. The online message, the online service is just much more convenient for me. I can stay at home. I'm very comfortable there. And, uh, well, that's just the way it is. Well, we can sympathize uh, to some degree with people who uh, have to travel a long way. But uh, this is not a healthy attitude for believers to take. We must uh, beware doing anything for convenience sake. Doing anything just because it is convenient. This emphasis on convenience, well, it goes against the grain of the Christian life itself. The Christian life is not convenient in this fallen world. The Christian life, when you say you're a Christian, it brings uh, persecution. It brings conflict. It brings awkwardness to your family relations. You have to face prejudices. At work, you may be uh, at a disadvantage because of your Christian faith. But that's the nature of the Christian life. The Christian life is not a life of convenience. And so uh, why do we seek to make the church a place of convenience? It seems that the online church really is an extension of this attitude that has crept into the church and amongst Christians. That the church ought to be just a place of convenience, a place where I'm most comfortable I'm very comfortable. I'm comfortable with the preaching. I'm comfortable with the location. I'm comfortable with the people. The church isn't meant to be just a place of comfort and convenience. It's a place where we serve the Lord. It's a place where we are challenged. It's very often a place when we're actually moved out of our comfort zone. We're not kept in our comfort zone, in our nice little bubble. We're moved out of our comfort zone. The Lord leads us to a church so that we may grow, so that we may develop and not do those things that we're comfortable with. So this emphasis that seems to be growing about convenience, church should be convenient. And now the online church, this is wonderful convenience. I don't even have to leave my home. This is not a healthy attitude for Christian people to have. We must be those who are willing to put ourselves out for the Lord, to do that which the Lord requires us to do, even if it means taking us out of our comfort zone. So that's the first thing I would say. And secondly, on this particular point, well, the church online, it may be uh, convenient in certain circumstances, but it's not always appropriate. It's not always appropriate. Now, what do I mean by that? I remember during the pandemic when we had services on Zoom that somebody was watching uh, the service uh, sat outside in their garden. They were sunning themselves in the sunshine. And uh, that didn't sit well with me. To be watching a worship service and you've gone outside and you're just uh, uh, sunning yourself. This uh, spoke of great informality at the very least. They weren't really taking it seriously. 
And I think this is very common with the online church. I'm sure it is quite common that people who uh, choose to watch online, well, they just roll out of bed, not uh, uh, too uh, early, just in time for the service. Maybe some watch services eating breakfast. Some attempted to put the kettle on during the sermon. Some perhaps just uh, listened to their sermons in their pajamas. This is a far cry from turning up to church in your Sunday best, showing that the Lord is so important to you, doing your best for the Lord, appearing your best for the Lord. The online church, it seems to uh, exacerbate this trend toward informality. We don't want the formality in the church anymore. We don't want the reverence in the church anymore. If you watch at home, where's the reverence? When we come to a church, certainly this is the case at East Dulwich, we uh, normally encourage everybody there to, uh, uh, to prepare their hearts and their minds, a time of silence just before the uh, service of worship begins. How do you get that at home, online? Where's the reverence? Is there any reverence? All sorts of distractions going on. But people don't mind this. They don't want the formality. They want the informality. Everything informal. And well, this may seem like a trivial point, but it will creep into our churches and it will destroy our witness and our holiness and that which is honoring to the Lord. All of these aspects are lost. Other things I could mention, but I'm starting to run out of time. How do you serve the Lord? Sometimes I feel that some people just watch at home because they don't want to serve the Lord. They don't want to do anything at the church, so I'll just stay at home. How can you serve the Lord at home? Where is the accountability? Pastor Northern was speaking about the importance of accountability in the church, but online church, there's no accountability there at all. But then, of course, and this will be my final point, some will argue, well, this is all very well, all these observational things that you've raised, but is there a spiritual mandate to meet in person? Where does it say in the Bible we have to meet in person? Is there a biblical warrant? Can't we just uh, meet with God wherever we are? God is everywhere. So I don't have to go and meet in a physical building. God is everywhere. Is that uh, something that we are to pay heed to? Well, yes, God is everywhere, of course. We know that. But in the scriptures, the Lord always appointed a place, a place for meeting with God. Now, I haven't got time to go through everything in detail, but we think of the Old Testament we think of the tabernacle, and then we think later of the temple. Places, physical places, that were set apart, holy and consecrated to God. Set apart for the offerings, for the worship of God. Set apart where the people would gather. And the people, of course, would rejoice. They would rejoice that there was a place to go to physically. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There was a gladness, a particular gladness 
in going to a physical place, the house of the Lord. And of course, uh, uh, the New Testament sees the establishment of churches, as Pastor uh, Northern explained, local churches where people gathered, the Apostle Paul, when ye are gathered. The gathering of the people was so important, and the Apostle expressed that to the churches, particularly the church at Corinth. But some will say, of course, that, uh, well, those believers that you're speaking about in the Bible, well, of course, they had to gather physically then. They didn't have any other choice. They had to uh, gather physically. They didn't have Zoom or YouTube. So there's no uh, point you making this uh, kind of uh, interjection because uh, if uh, the Apostle Paul, for example, had Zoom, I'm sure he would have used that. Some people make that argument. Well, is that a valid argument to make? Well, dear friends, there is a great emphasis in the Scripture on the importance of the physical rather than the virtual. The physical. The physical presence. Again, I haven't got much time to go through all of this now, but you think of the Old Testament. Was the physical presence of the Lord there? Yes. You think of the Israelites being led out of Egypt in the wilderness, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. God was with them, not just in a spiritual sense, but in a physical sense. The physical presence of God, very important. And then, of course, we think of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came in a body, physically. And, uh, well, we're going through the letter to the Colossians at East Dulwich Tabernacle, and we've been speaking about how there were some who preferred to think that Christ was not uh, uh, the incarnate God. He was some sort of heavenly apparition. He was just a vision. Some heretics were thinking this about the Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ came in a body. Not just a heavenly apparition. He was physically with us. This is the glory of the incarnation. God with us. Not God far removed. Not God somewhere else. God with us. Physically present with us. That's the glory of the incarnation. He is physically present with us. And of course again there was much joy through this. The Apostle John. 1 John chapter 1. And verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have, see, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Speaking of how they saw Christ physically, great joy. This was the apostles' joy. So the physical incarnation of Christ speaks to us also of the importance of the physical body of Christ. And of course, the church is the body of Christ. We are the physical presence of Christ doing his work here on earth. Christ has died. Christ has risen again. He has ascended up on high. But he has left a physical presence, the church, the body of Christ. And so if we decide we're just going to meet virtually... 
That undermines what Christ has left for us. That undermines the institution of the church as his body, his physical work. We must not undermine that. And we must esteem the church and the importance of the physical. We remind ourselves of how everything ends. The new heaven and the new earth. That is a physical place where we shall all be gathered together. And we look forward to that time. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then, face to face, and at least part of the application of that verse speaks about seeing Christ physically, knowing him physically, seeing him face to face. We have sweet communion with Christ now, but it's limited in a certain sense. Oh, if we were to be with him physically, see him face to face. And again, well, you can apply that to the church. If we're online, are we not really... Well, we're seeing each other through a screen, vaguely, rather than a glass, darkly. But how much better it is to see one another face to face. There are biblical principles here. And finally, well, the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls us to love one another. As a church, as believers, to love one another. John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Well, again, we think of Christ and his incarnation. What love! What love for Christ to leave his glorious throne in heaven, to take upon himself a body, to live and dwell amongst men in this sorrowful, sinful world. He came himself. And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we must love one another as he has loved us. And so we must be prepared, no matter what it takes, to be with one another bodily, physically, physically present, to leave our homes. We don't uh, live in glorious places as the Lord Jesus Christ did and does we live in uh, homes that are temporary. We can come out of our homes. We can meet with believers. We can love them as Christ has loved us. And this is a great show of love when we uh, desire to meet in this way. And so all of these, thi all of these things that my time is now up, dear friends, but this is uh, uh, my assessment of uh, the internet church and I conclude well really with this there is nothing that can uh, replace the physical meeting together of the Lord's people even uh, in the world people have realized that that doing things online is not as good seeing a GP online is not as good as seeing them in person Attending a, a sporting event online is not as good as doing it in person. Going to a pop concert online is not as good as doing it in person. That's what the world thinks. So why would we settle and say, oh, uh, going to church is just the same online? Does the world love their sporting events more than we love the church 
love meeting one another? Does the world love their uh, uh, pop concerts more than we love meeting with one another as a church? God forbid. We know it's not as good. And we know there's nothing better than meeting with the Lord's people and expressing our love for one another and bearing each other's burdens and praying for one another while we are here below. Well, may the Lord bless these things to us. Thank you very much.